Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. Um, we just missed the playoffs in 94, 95 on four and against to North Sydney. And then the next the next eight years I was there, we made the semis every year. So obviously the, the, the four years, the next four years, Gus took us to the playoffs. We didn't have a lot of luck with injuries in, around playoff time in that period that Phil was there. Phil uh, was very vital in, uh, in, in the rebuild. Um, he was a great contributor to the rebuild of the Roosters. There's no doubt about that. We'd started together, as I just said. Um, Phil's a, Phil was a great coach. You know, he's an elite coach. He's one of the all-time great coaches. And I've, I've seen them all since back in the, you know, late 60s all the way through. I've observed them or I've worked with them. And, look, his knowledge of the game is exceptional. You know, that's indicative of when you listen to him speak um, on, on television and, and when he dissects games and dissects the skill sets and pluses and minuses of players. He was also very effective on the recruitment side. Having Phil Gould as head coach meant, you know, we could go out and get players. So even when the Super League war broke, having Phil there really was the key to getting Brad Fittler. And we can talk about Brad a little later, but that was a pivotal piece in the rebuild of the Roosters. But other players like Matt Singh, Scotty Goulet, Dave Barnhill, um, just thinking off the top of my head, Craig Fitzgibbon, these players, uh, Richie Barnett, these players, Craig Wing, these players came to the Roosters. Um, one of the attractions was that they could see the club was on the rise. Um, the club was well re- earning, re-earning our respect within the league. And, of course, having Phil Gould um, as head coach was a very good carrot to get good players. And you, you only have to listen to players that have been coached by Phil. Um, you know, he's cl- the club players he's cl- coached and the state of origin players he's coached to realise just how highly rated he is as a coach. So, you know, I can't I can't overestimate the contribution that Phil made to the to, to the rebuilding process. And he was there for five years from ninety five through ninety nine, those five seasons. You mentioned uh, obviously Phil Gould's huge contribution and you mentioned that he was the reason why you guys got Brad Fittler and I, I think the signing of Freddie really set you guys up for the next 20 years of dominance in reality. Tell me about when Phil Gould 
first came to you guys and there was a chance that he'd be able to bring Freddie over? Well, I think, you know, it, it, it came about, obviously, because of the Super League war and Freddie had pledged his commitment to the ARL. So he had to play for an ARL club. And that's when Nick and, and Gus um, swung into action and said, well, we, we need a game breaker. You know, you look at all the great sides over the years, all the great sides, all the great coaches, but there's a common denominator in terms of win premierships. They have one or two great players. They're difference makers. They're not only difference makers on the field where everybody can see what they do, but they're difference makers behind the scenes. They attract better players to your club. They set standards around how you prepare. So that was the process. And it was it was really a quite simple process. It was just a case of working with Wayne and his manager, Wayne Beavis. And uh, we came up with an agreement. And I think Freddie was right. You know, Penrith was going with the Super League. So it wasn't like he was – he could have stayed at Penrith. Um, so to get Brad over was an enormous coup for the club and – as you quite rightfully said, he was a key key piece of the of the puzzle for the next you know ten years. The other key piece of the puzzle for me, as far as the playing group goes, and you know one one of the proudest roosters ever, uh, Bondi United junior Luke Rickardson. Tell me about the uh, the impact Rico had on the club. Well, Rico had a Rico had a huge impact on the club, and he still do, does today. He's on the board of directors. Um, yeah, quite rightly, he was a Bondi United junior and. The Roosters take a bit of criticism for breeding no juniors, but we, we, we occasionally get a few right, like Kevin Hastings and Luke Rickardson. Obviously, Marty, my brother, was a junior, and people like Ryan Cross grew up in the eastern suburbs. Brian Fletcher, many was effectively coming came through our junior rep program. But Luke was great. He, he was there for for some of the prior period prior to Nick, Phil, and myself coming to the taking official roles within the club. So... He'd known what the club was like, but he loved the club. You could tell that. He was a centre back in the day. And then I think it was Phil that said, uh, no, you've got a motor and a toughness and a commitment that's better suited to the back row. So Phil moved Luke to the back row. He played a bit of lock, played a lot of second row, obviously. And that was a masterstroke. And he became he became a real warrior, despite his, uh, despite his image of the eastern suburbs, you know, party boy. Rico was a warrior. Uh, players loved playing with him. Freddie... Freddie stated it publicly that he loved playing with Luke Rickardson. So, you know, when you, you know, by the time Phil left at the end of 1999, he'd had five years with us and he'd done a great job. He'd worked really hard, but he felt he needed a break from coaching. And ironically, he's never coached a club club team since. Um, but he felt, and he told us at the time, he said, mate, I just need a break. I've got to, I've got to take a break. So we brought Graham Murray in, had Graham for a couple of years. Graham was a very good coach. He, he had a great Good man manager, Graham Murray. He had a good ability to build rapport with players. And ironically, in the first year that Graham was there in 2000, we went to the grand final. And I think that just as much as the grand final game, the standout game was that preliminary final against the Newcastle Knights where Freddie just, you know, tore the Knights apart. And I think Joey Johns has stated publicly that that was one of the most disappointing nights of his night because of his career because he viewed the Knights. And man for man, the Knights may have had the better team. But we had Brad Fittler, who was on fire. He tore them apart, and we had a great support cast, and we went to the grand final and unfortunately got beat by the Broncos. I don't think there's ever been a better individual battle between two players than Joey and Freddie in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was just you, you couldn't miss it whenever it was on, could you? No, that's it's very valid. And, and, you know, I'll get more to Brad later when we talk, but their, their battles were awesome. Like, Freddie obviously won that one, but I remember... in. In 2001, we played Newcastle up there in a play- knockout playoff game, and they were Bath. 
um, and Joey played like the immortal that he is. So, look, just two wonderful players, and, and, and to have them on the field playing against each other was awesome. A few years later, Darren Lockie had joined in joined in that group of what I call the big three from about, you know, the early 90s through to the back end of the 1990s and into the early 2000s. The, to me, they were the big three. They were the three absolute elite players in our game. And when whenever they played, particularly against each other, it was very special. It was those three, daylight at fourth, then a long list of fifth, wasn't it? It was, and there were some great players running around then, but those three were that good. They could separate themselves with their special talents and their competitive nature. I think it's those three footballers that, in my opinion, you know, you could put them into any era of football ever and they would dominate just as much as they did then. They were just special athletes, weren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. They all were, they were different, the three of them. They were just very, very special. And, and you know, I as I said, I memory of rugby league was my grandfather taking me to the 1965 grand final on the, on the hill at the Sydney Cricket Ground and uh, it was the you know the 78,056 and Saints beat South to win their 10th consecutive premiership I was obviously very young at the time but my grandfather put me over the fence and let me sit on the infield grass because the, the the ground was running out of room it was actually the last non-ticketed grand final you could just turn up and buy a, a ticket on the day and get in which which is unthinkable um Having said that, I've seen a lot of great players, and those three are three, absolutely three of the best. Bernie, you mentioned Andrew Johns before, uh, being the immortal he is. In my opinion, I think Brad Fittler's done enough to gain the immortal status uh, myself. You know, the amount of games he played for Australia over a, such a long period of time. He's got the most games for the Blues. He's been in X amount of grand finals. He's, he, you know, he was essentially the best player in the game in three different positions, depending what jersey you threw him on the day. Do you think he should be an immortal of rugby league? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Nathan, because, you know, when I was thinking about our discussion today, and I knew you were going to want to talk about some of the great players that we've had, um, Brad Fittler's special, mate. Brad could do it all. The United States, they have a they have a saying about certain baseball players. They call them five-tool players. They can do everything in the game, hit, run, catch, Whatever needs to be done, they call them. They have all five tools that you need. Well, to me, Brad Fittler, and not all great players are, uh, can do everything well, but Brad, to me, would be an absolute five-tool player. He can run, he can pass, he can kick long, he can kick short, and he can tackle. Not all great players are great at everything. Some of them can't kick. Some of them are a bit dusty on defense, but they're marvelous attacking players. Brad Fittler could do it all. He was a legitimate five-tool player. Um, he had all those skills. Pass, kick long, kick short, tackle. And when you layer over the top of that, two other fundamental qualities, not necessarily skill sets, but qualities, his leadership was exceptional and his toughness. People often don't think of the, the tough skill players as, as, as being tough. Brett Fittler was extraordinarily, extraordinarily tough. I saw him play games where he took needles, needles in the, you know, his groin and hamstring, and he just he just kept going. He was, despite all his brilliance, he was an absolute warrior. And the interesting thing with Brad is that when he came to us in 95, 96, sorry, Brad came to us, he was still Freddie the young guy. And, you know, it all came very easy to Freddie because he was so naturally gifted. And he made a very good contribution in those first three or four years. But at 2000 on, pre-season 2000, he dedicated himself. He'd been in the game about 10 years. I think he made his first grade debut in 89. 
He rededicated himself to his physical training, and Ron Palmer, who was our trainer, will can testify to this. He rededicated himself to his preparation and his attitude to the game. The game became very important to Freddie. Freddie cared for the game at that point. You know, I think he had good people around him. I think, you know, he had good coaches and he had Phil Gould, who, when people get to the back end of their career, particularly the great players, Phil's always been giving them counsel on how they want to leave the game. You know, how do they want to be remembered in the game? And I think Freddie really took that on board. He became a truly great leader. He had a great support cast at the Roosters, no doubt about it. But the Roosters, from the moment Freddie rededicated, and Freddie was great, but he became even greater. But the moment he rededicated himself to the game, we went to four, the Roosters went to four grand finals in Freddie's last five years. We won one and we lost three. But, you know, grand finals, they're on the day thing. You know, you can just strike a very good team. I thought we were the best team in 03 and 04. But with all due respect, Penrith was the better team in 03 and the Bulldogs pipped the Roosters in 04. But you know, we would not have gone to those grand finals and been as competitive in that period if Freddie hadn't rededicated himself to the game and, and become a legitimate true leader to go with his immense talent. You put the two of those together, it's a great combination. So in my opinion... I've seen all the greater mortals. Raper and Gaznier at the back end of their career, so not really that familiar with them, but I, I did see them play, you know, Fulton Beats and Langlands, Lewis, Johns, Meninga, these wonderful, wonderful players that are now immortals. Freddie deserves to be one of them. You know, I've seen them, and Brad would sit very comfortably in their company. The problem I think Brad's had is that he, he's often forgotten a little bit because he's got a bit of a larrikin image that uh, has sat with him. People love him and respect him, but he's got a bit of that larrikin image to him. But whether that is a bit of a negative, I don't know. But on pure football, with talent, ability, leadership, accomplishment, achievement, etc., in my opinion, Brad Fittler should absolutely be an immortal. It blows me away the fact that, you know, everyone's so happy and he's fine with John's being an immortal. But, like, Freddie got the better of him at least 50% of the time when they played each other. It just, and you know, I, I look at guys like Jonathan Thurston now, who everyone's saying is a walk-in um, immortal eventually. And I just think, you know, Freddie used to tackle like a back rower. And it's, you know, we're sort of entering now an era of rugby league where it's all about highlights and the, the fundamentals for halves. They sort of go out the window a little bit. I'm, <laughs> I would take a bloke at 5'8". Brad, Brad, if you go back and watch, you know, I've watched, obviously I've watched a lot of Brad's football Technic, his, his defence technically is outstanding. He was a legitimate shoulder hitter. If people ran directly at Brad Fittler, he sat he, he sat him on their backside, uh, as did Joey Johns, by the way. Joey's arguably the greatest defensive halfback the game's ever seen. Um, but Freddie is a six or a 13. He was a deadly defensive, but people did not get through Brad Fittler. So his def- the defensive side of his game was, in my opinion, nearly as valuable as his, you know, his unique attacking skills. He's running and passing. He's, he could pass long, pass short. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm totally in agreement that Brad Fittler should absolutely be an immortal. And I think Peter Sterling, very good judge, he, he's made the comment in you know in the last few months that he believes Freddie and Lockyer should be the next immortals. And I, I would totally concur with that. If you said to me, Bernie, you've got to pick a team of just one player, so 13 of the same footballer, for me, it would be Brad Fittler every day of the week. He could cover any position and do a job there. If you threw Brad anywhere from fullback to front row and said, just get out there and do do, do what you've got to do, he could, you're 100% right. He could do that. And not every player you could say that about. 
very few you could say that about. He's um he's an immortal every day of the week for me. Let me ask you, you uh you you lose the two thousand grand final to a pretty red hot Broncos outfit. Um State two- of origin standard Broncos <laughs> Kangaroos standard. They were incredible, weren't they? They were. You um you get to the end of the two thousand and one season and Graham Murray departs. The Roosters are looking for a new coach and you know, you go for a rookie coach in Ricky Stewart. What did you see in Ricky Stewart as a coach when the Roosters first got him? Well, it was Ricky's first head coaching job. He'd done a, I think he had been coaching Canterbury's under 23s or under 21s um, after he finished his career at the end of 99. I think he may have won a competition at Canterbury. Um, Phil Gould, who basically was functioning as a consultant or coaching coordinator for us at the Roosters and offering advice um, since he'd stopped coaching. He obviously knew Ricky very well. Um, so, you know, Ricky came in and you could tell, you know, I'd never met Ricky Stewart, but you could tell that he was very driven, very competitive. And he was the right fit for us at, at that time because Ricky put some real steel in the club. You know, he he overcame some early adversity. It was his very first coaching job. He's coaching at the Roosters. And, you know, like it or not, there's very high expectations when you coach the Roosters. Um, there's internal expectations from all of us. We all expected to win, um, win games and win a lot of games. And then there's all the external expectation of media, et cetera, that the Roosters will be successful. So here's Ricky, first head coaching job. He's still a very young guy at that time. And in 2002, we went one and four. We had some crippling injuries early on. Paul Green blew his knee out in the first game. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, but the club stuck together. Ricky was very mature about how he handled that adversity. And by the middle of the year, Ricky developed this aggressive rushing defense and he had the right cast of characters to execute that. He had, we brought Adrian Morley over in 2001 and what a buy he was for our club, you know, and combine him with other players at that point, they were hitting the sweet spot of their careers. You know, the Luke Rickardson's, Craig Fitzgibbons, Ryan Crosses, Craig Wings, Brian Fletcher's, Anthony Minicello's. You're getting players that were coming into that period that every player or every very good player comes to. It's their sweet spot. If you can get enough of those what I call sweet spot players um, playing together at the right time in the right environment with the right coach, then usually good things happen. So Ricky did a phenomenal job for a rookie coach. He, you know, I rate Ricky very highly as a coach, and I think that's manifest now of what he's done at Canberra to rebuild that club. Um, he, he developed a great spirit in the club. And, you know, he was able to capitalise on the fact that we had those players in the sweet spot of their career. Plus, know Ricky very well. He's a great person. He's got a great family. You know, Kaylee and his family are very supportive of what he does. But he made a phenomenal contribution. First three years of head coaching, Ricky went to three grand finals. Um, that's very, very unique. So it was, you know, it was a great time for the club. Graham Murray got us to a grand, you know, Gus helped rebuild the club in the late 90s. Graham Murray got us to a grand final in 2000. Ricky got us to three consecutive grand finals, 02, 03, 04. 
So it was a really great period for the club and really established the club as a legitimate powerhouse of the premiership once again, as we as the club had been back in, you know, the period from the uh, early to mid seventies through to the the early eighties until uh, Bob Fulton left the club. So you know it was a great period for the club to to and and Ricky was vital in getting those. He was the head coach in those last three grand final appearances in oh two oh three oh four. It's um. <sighs> It's funny, when we look at the Roosters team that just won the comp um, 18 months ago, they signed uh, you know, the most experienced winger in the game, Brett Morris. Uh, back in 2002, the Roosters signed another fantastic winger uh, with the initials BM, uh, Brett Mullins. Tell me about the impact he had being an older, more matured footballer. He'd, he'd experienced so much at the Raiders. What did he bring to the club that year? Yeah, well, number one, he brought athleticism. He brought a winning mentality. Ricky knew him very well. Obviously, he won a premiership with him in 94, I believe, at the Raiders. Um, and, you know, there was a there, there was a good... There was a, there was a bit of karma around that, too. Of course, Bill Mullins is arguably the greatest winger the Roosters have ever had. Um, and so, you know, obviously, Brett being Bill's son, there was a nice connection there of the Mullins family name with the Roosters. Brett was looking uh, for a change... And obviously, knowing Ricky, uh, he brought him in. Now, we I expected when he came in that he may end up being the fullback. And he may have played a few early games at fullback. But he found a real niche for himself on that left wing. And he did a phenomenal job for us. And uh, I think he set up the winning try in the grand final qualifying game against the Broncos, streaking down the left side and sending it inside for the critical try. So, Brett was great. No, he was no trouble to have in the place. And he, it was great. To, it was great. I think that was his last season. And so he ended up going out a winner and to have the Mullins name, the Brett Mullins name, along with his father Bill's name at the Roosters was a great thing for the club. So, no, it was terrific to have him there. But the funny thing about that squad was, you know, people remember the, you know, the Morleys and the Fitzgibbons and the Wings and the Fittlers. But the reality is that Arthur Beetson, over a period of time that Arthur was the recruitment officer at the Roosters, he brought through a lot of other terrific players, the role players, that people, they, they, t- they tend to forget about them. But, you know, the Simon Benetti's, Peter Cusack's, uh, Jason Kalis, Chris Flannery's, Shane Rigon's. Um, now, all these players that came through, they, Luke Rickardson was a local boy. Brian Fletcher was a local boy. Many came through our junior rep program. A lot of those players there that people say, oh, well, the Roosters have got all the star players back then. And well, they're still saying it today. But back then they'd say that. And I'd say, well, you look at the players in our team that made that basically have made first-grade debuts at the Roosters because of Arthur Beetson's um, excellent recruitment program that we had running at the time. Even even Craig Fitzgibbon, yeah, he played in a grand final at St George, but he played about, you know, 20 first-grade games at that point, and he clearly played his best footy at the Roosters. And Craig Fitzgibbon was another one who was key to our success, not only from his goal-kicking, but just his play. He's as tough a player as I've seen, Craig Fitzgibbon. And his contribution was enormous. And he's a great person. He's a person of of great character. Um, The other one that made a huge contribution to us was Adrian Morley. Just a genuinely tough guy. He was competitive. He set the standard for the defence. He was the heartbeat of the defence back in the day. To have Adrian Morley with Fitzgibbon and Rickardson. And, of course, we had some other great contributors. Craig Wing, Ryan Cross, Justin Hodges, Minnie, Brian Fletcher. Fletch was great. Um, Very talented player, Fletch. Obviously, played for Australia. Um, people know him more these days as for his work on Fox, and he's a funny guy. But he was a terrific player. Hold up. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 